into Romans chapter number 10. We're going to be looking at the thought of gospel feet. Gospel feet. And so we'll be looking at this subject just a little bit this evening. As you turn in there, I will go ahead and say that this afternoon, uh, normally in November, I like to put out some Bibles, devotionals, and things like that in case somebody wants to buy a nicer uh, grade Bible, you know, to give us a gift or something like that. And so this afternoon, I was ordering some Bibles and different things to get them out here so we could put them on the book table. Uh, most everything uh, that I ordered is from church Bible publishers, and they make... Uh, uh, some tremendous Bibles, tremendous Bibles. They're well put together. This this one here is a local church Bible publisher. So that's a different company. Church Bible publishers is just a little better than this. This Bible's probably eight years old, and it's not even broke in good yet. They make uh, really good quality Bibles. I have a, a church Bible publisher's Bible at home that my kids bought for me a couple of years ago, and uh, I've read it through uh, three times, four times. I've read that Bible through now, and uh, it looks pristine. It looks brand new. It doesn't look broken at all. They make really good, high-quality Bibles. Uh, so I've got some selection uh, of those and a couple uh, higher-end Bibles that you'll be able to look at. Uh, but I'm saying this to say that if there is something you want, if there's something that you would like to buy for someone or something you'd like to have for yourself, a specific type of Bible, a large print or a, a specific type of layout or something like that, uh, let me know uh, because I can probably find what you're looking for and, boy, there's no better gift to give someone than the Word of God. And so if there's something that you're interested in, uh, let me know, and we can get that ordered in time. A few years ago, I tried to just lay out some display Bibles and told folks I would order them, you know, not to buy the displays. I would order uh, whichever one they wanted, and a lot of folks didn't get their Christmas present on Christmas because the mail was slow. So the way we do it now is whatever's on the table is what is for sale. You can buy what's there. Uh, but at the same time, if there's something specific you want, the sooner you let me know, the sooner we will be able to get that for you. And so uh, also if you uh, uh, do uh, social media, Church Bible Publishers is giving away a Bible as well. Uh, it's a uh, milk chocolate water buffalo full yap mid-size Bible, a $135 Bible. They're giving it away just like and share, and you get put in the drawing. So I entered as many times as I could. But anyway, <laughs> I do like a good Bible. Thank the Lord for the Word of God. We're going to be looking this evening at this subject of gospel feed. In Romans chapter number 10, verse number 15, where I had you turn there, the Bible speaks of the beauty of feet that are used to carry the gospel to the lost. There in Romans 10, in verse number 15, the Bible says, And how shall they preach? except they be sent. As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. In Ephesians chapter number 6, if you want to turn over there, Ephesians chapter number 6, uh, the Bible is telling us about the armor of God and the importance of putting on the armor of God and tells us about many different uh, pieces of armor, our breastplate, our sword, our, uh, what, the belt that we're to wear and all of this. And we come to verse number 15 there in Ephesians chapter number 6 uh, and the Bible speaks uh, of the importance of having feet uh, that are prepared to carry the gospel. It says in Ephesians 6 and verse number 15, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel 
of peace. I believe that the first responsibility of the Christian, matter of fact, I think one of the first fruits uh, of, that we see that represent that someone has accepted Christ uh, is uh, that they have a desire to share the gospel. Whenever someone puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and they receive that gift of eternal life, uh, uh, it is something so big and so good and so wonderful that you cannot help uh, but want to share it. You want to tell others uh, about what God has, called, has done for you. I think it's one of the fruits, one of the first evidences uh, that we see that God has moved in uh, on the inside of someone. Now they may be uh, unsure of themselves, they may be shy, they may be uh, you know, uh, concerned that they would say it wrong and hesitant to share it, but there will be in their heart a desire to tell somebody what Jesus has done for them. I think it's the responsibility of every Christian uh, to spread the gospel, to tell others uh, about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. David said uh, in Psalm 40, in verse number 2, uh, speaking of what God does for us, he said, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, uh, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock uh, and established my going. Jesus, David says, uh, He poured me up out of the clay, he put me on a rock, but he just didn't leave me there. He said, now it's time to go. And he pointed me in the direction that we are to go. So this evening, we're going to look at this thought of gospel feet. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful opportunity we have, Lord, to gather together in your house. Thank you, Lord, for each person, a oh, Lord, that has prioritized being in your house. And Lord, they've set aside other obligations. They've set aside other interests. They've set aside other things that maybe was pulling at them. And Lord, they have made an effort to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for them. I pray, dear Lord, that you will bless them for being here. I pray, dear Lord, that you will speak to them through your word. I pray, dear Lord, that you will challenge our hearts. Uh, oh Lord, that we might be people who are taking the gospel and we are carrying it uh, uh, to the world around us, I pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for the services today. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us. Thank you, Lord, uh, for the services tonight. Lord, the singing, the the worship, and Lord, it's just good to be in your house. And Father, I thank you for it. Bless now as we look in your word, and Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This evening I want to look at three individuals who I believe exemplified gospel feed. Three individuals uh, who we can look at as examples of what takes place uh, when God moves uh, on the inside of an individual. And so we're going to look at each of these individuals and I believe that this evening uh, we can be challenged uh, by their testimony. The first individual I want to bring our attention to is found uh, in Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter number 5. You can go ahead and turn over there if you want to. Uh, we know this guy's the demoniac uh, of Gadara. The demoniac of Gadara. Some people call him the Gadarene maniac. And I'm telling you what, anytime the devil lives on the inside of you, you're going to act like a maniac. Uh, anytime you give yourself into the influences of the devil, uh, you're going to find that your behavior uh, is not sane. It is not normal. Uh, it is a behavior uh, uh, that is of the world and is ungodly. I look at all the stuff that's going on in our world, all the, the things that young people are following after all these uh, challenges you hear of and all these different things uh, and I recognize that we have a generation of people uh, that have given themselves over to the influence uh, of the devil uh, and their behavior speaks uh, of who they're listening to. Uh, I find in the word of God that the children of God uh, are to be people who are decent uh, and in order uh, and whenever I find a generation 
reaction of people who are anything but decent and don't have order in anything, I recognize that they're not following God, but they're following the devil. And this is what we see in this, this guy here, the demoniac of Gadara. This is a man who terrorized the town. He is a man uh, who couldn't be restrained. He was a man who broke all moral laws. He broke all social laws. He was a man that was out of his mind. And let me just throw this in right here. If you yield yourself to the influences of the devil, you will find that he will get you out of your mind. Now, let me just clarify something right here real quick. A, a Christian, a born-again believer cannot, absolutely cannot be possessed of the devil. The Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of me and he's way bigger than the devil ever was and there is no way that he's going to let the devil move in and take up residence on the inside of a born-again believer. However, a born-again believer can quench the Spirit of God and can quench the nudging of the Spirit of God and stop listening to the guidance of the Spirit of God and begin to expose themselves to ungodliness and to things that are of this world and to things that are satanic in nature and that Christian can wear himself down until his mind is no longer able to focus on the things of the Lord. I see many things that Christians, so-called Christians, like to watch for their entertainment. And I'm just like, how? How can a Christian think that they can watch that and it not affect them? Well, I'm telling you what, there's so much filth on the television and, and anywhere that you want to go, so much filth and ungodliness. And boy, we come into this time of year, we're heading towards the end of the month, we're heading towards Halloween. And I don't, I don't care how you feel about Halloween, it's a holiday I'll never celebrate. And you say, well, Pastor John, it's just a fun time for kids to get dressed up and collect candy. It's a holiday I will never celebrate because it is centered on uh, these things that have to do with the underworld. It, it, uh, exalts, uh, it exalts spirits. Uh, it exalts death. Uh, it exalts pain and suffering. Uh, it exalts all of this stuff. Uh, and whenever I see Christians engaged in this type of thing, I'm like, what are you doing? You've been born again. You You've been washed. You've been made clean. You've been made whole. Why would you swim around in that muddy water? A Christian can never be a possessed, but a Christian can be affected by the things of this world. We see here that this man, however, though, was not born again and someone who is lost, someone who does not have the protection of the Holy Ghost, someone that has not been covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that demon, that devil can move inside. He can take up residence and he can begin to control. And that is exactly what is going here. This man is out of his mind. Uh, he, all many attempts have been made to restrain him, to control him, to subdue him but all to no avail. But then something happened to this man. Boy, I'm telling you what, this just makes me want to shout. Because if there was ever a hopeless case, it was this man. 
If there was ever somebody who you would be hesitant to witness to, it'd be this guy. If there was ever somebody that you'd want to walk to the other side of the street, it would be this guy. This is the kind of fellow that just uh, made you worry if you seen him in the supermarket when you were shopping. Uh, I mean, this is the kind of guy you didn't want to talk to. Uh, he was a hard case, uh, but something happened, uh, and this man met Jesus. I believe this man ought to be proof uh, that there is no case uh, too hard for the saving grace uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. This man met the Lord Jesus Christ. He came and saw Jesus and Jesus was able to identify his problem. You know what a lot of times I've been guilty of this, maybe you've been guilty of this. Whenever I'm trying to win someone to the Lord, I find myself of being guilty of trying to identify their problem. And many times I have no idea what their problem is. Instead of me trying to identify and do it on my own, you know what I ought to do? Is go to the one that does know what is going on. Jesus identified this man's problem. He knew what was going on. He knew what it was that everybody was trying to, to, to fight and Jesus overcame the bondage. He cast out the evil spirits. You know the story. He cast them into the swine. The swine uh, ran down and, and choked themselves and this evil, uncontrollable man became a worshiper at the feet of Jesus. We'll pick up in Mark chapter 5, verse number 15. The Bible says, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. That just makes me want to laugh every time I read that. Here we find somebody who used to be a terror who is now sitting at the feet of Jesus and they said, we have just encountered a power that is more powerful than the power we couldn't overcome and they began to tremble. Let me tell you, whenever you recognize just how big God is, it ought to put some fear in your heart. It ought to help you recognize just who he is. They were afraid and they, and they that saw it told them how it befell him that possessed that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him, that's Jesus, they began to ask Jesus to depart out of their coast. And when he, Jesus, was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Lord, I want to go with you. Boy, that's something else that's always a fruit of being born again. You just want to be with Jesus. You want to be around him. How be it? Verse number 19, Jesus suffered him not. But saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. I see here an example of some gospel feet. Uh, this man uh, was wicked. This man was evil. This man was possessed. Uh, this man was violent. He encountered Jesus. Uh, Jesus uh, uh, threw out the devils. Uh, he was sitting, worshiping at the feet of Jesus. Uh, and Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to go home and I want you to tell others what I have done for you. I'm glad that you're here worshiping. I'm glad that you want to go on the ship with me. But what I need you to do is go find others 
that don't know about me and tell them about the hope of the gospel. You know what? Many times we find Christians that are very happy to come to church and you ought to come to church and they're very willing to sit in the pew and you ought to sit in the pew. But Jesus told this man, he didn't forbid him from worshiping, but he said, what I need you to do is to go. You need some gospel feet. Take the gospel to your friends and share it with those that are home. We see here that this, this used-to-be maniac was now a soul winner. This used-to-be maniac was now a preacher of the gospel. You say, I don't see where he was a preacher. A preacher is just someone who proclaims what God can do. Anyone can proclaim what God can do. And he has gone home and he is proclaiming the goodness of God. He is proclaiming what God has done for him. His first order of business was to go spread the gospel. His first instruction from the Savior was to get his feet busy going and telling the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second example that we'll look at this evening, first we see this demoniac of Gadara, but the second example we look at this evening is the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well we know her as. Her story is in John chapter number 4, verse 5 down to 41. This is the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. We know the story of Samaria. We know how that the Jews hated the Samaritans. We know how that the Jews would always make a wide path and, and take the long route so that they wouldn't have to go through Samaria. They very much disliked the Samaritans. But Jesus, uh, here in John chapter number 4, told his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. There is a person there that I need to see. I have some business there to take care of. I must needs go through Samaria. We're not going to go around Samaria. We're going to go through Samaria. We know uh, that th this lady that Jesus encountered, uh, although she did many great things for Christ, uh, we find out that she, she made a, an impact uh, for the cause of Christ. But whenever we think of the Samaritan woman or the woman at the well, the first thing that comes to our mind is not the impact that she made for Christ, uh, but the first thing that comes to our mind is the fact uh, that she was the woman that had five husbands. Uh, she was the woman that was living in sin and wickedness. You know what? Uh, the, your past, your past may always haunt you, but your past never has to stop you. This lady here was the lady that many people remember as the lady that had five husbands. Uh, but I know one thing, when she gets to glory and she's standing before the judgment seat, uh, those, the things of those five husbands won't be coming up, but she'll be collecting rewards uh, for the work that she did for Christ uh, in taking the gospel back uh, into uh, her community. Uh, uh, we all know the story. Jesus was traveling from Judea into Galilee. And, and as we just said, the route dictated that he could go through Samaria. He told the disciples, I must needs... Uh, go through Samaria. And of course, Jesus, sometimes we forget this, although he was 100% God, he was 100% man. And because he was human, just as you and I are, he got thirsty. And as he's traveling, he began to thirst. And he come to the well. And he sat down at the well, and the Samaritan woman came up. Uh, and Jesus said to her, he's better to give him something 
to drink. Now, while I believe that he was thirsty and he probably did want a drink of water, Jesus never misses an opportunity to share the gospel. Boy, I'm telling you what, we could learn so much from the Lord Jesus Christ on how he finds opportunity to share the gospel. Something else you'll always find true is that the devil never misses an opportunity to try and stop you from sharing the gospel. But boy, if we just open our eyes, he will always provide opportunities. And Jesus knew how to take any situation and turn it into an opportunity to share the gospel. So while he was there at the well, this woman of Samaria came to draw water and Christ uh, took uh, this opportunity. I also believe, I also believe that this was a God-ordained opportunity. And boy, I'm telling you what, I believe that God ordains many, many opportunities for you and I to share the gospel. And boy, y'all pray for me that I learn to be more sensitive to those opportunities. That I learn to see those opportunities and seize those opportunities and that the Lord help me to be quick to be able to share the gospel. I believe that God anointed or appointed this opportunity and he began to present this lady with the gospel. Now a couple of things to point out about this lady. We looked at the demoniac of Gadara and he was a menace to society. He was, he was a threat. He was a real problem. It was obvious that this was somebody uh, who we didn't want in our town. This lady wasn't like that. Although this lady was sinful, she wasn't a menace to society uh, as the maniac was. Uh, this lady was busy with the responsibilities of life. She's come to the well. She's, she's busy. She's getting water. She's going back home maybe to fix dinner or maybe to wash clothes or maybe to, to heat the water for a bath for the children. Who knows what it is? But she's busy with the responsibilities of and she's come to get water to carry on with her everyday responsibilities. Whenever Jesus asked her uh, about uh, her husband, she tried to cover her sin. She said, I have no husband. She tried to cover uh, the sin in her life. She tried to appear uh, that she was better than she was really was. And we find out also that she had some religion in her background. This lady uh, had some religious background. She knew some things about religion. When Christ began to talk with her, she began to ask questions about where they were supposed to worship. She she had some religion in her background. As I look at this lady, I see a clear picture of many of the people that you and I encounter on a daily basis. Daily we meet people who are busy with the responsibilities of life. And boy, I'm telling you what, I believe that the devil has very successfully made us busy. Busy, busy, busy. Because if we can keep this mind busy, then we can push out the nudgings of the Holy Spirit. We can push out the convictions of the Holy Ghost. And Many people are busy, very busy with the responsibilities of life. And many people that we encounter excuse their sin. They excuse their sin. Uh, this morning we was going to be looking at the Good Samaritan and leading into that story, and we'll probably look at that next Sunday, Lord willing, unless he changes my message again, that'll be fine too. But uh, when you look at the Good Samaritan, the setting of the story was a Pharisee was trying to justify himself. Now, boy, I'm telling you what, you will find people all the time, everywhere, who try to justify themselves. What you do is wrong. What you do is wrong. But there's a reason for what I do. Well, the sin that you the sin that you struggle with, you shouldn't do that. But I have a reason why it's okay for me to struggle with my sin. We meet people all the time. They're busy with life. They excuse their sin. Uh, but then also we find that the people that we encounter regularly rely on their past religious encounters as being enough. 
I went to I went to church with Grandma when I was a kid. I was I was baptized when I was an infant. Uh, on and on and on they go, and they look back at their past religious experiences as if that is sufficient and that is going to get them into heaven when they have never ever met the Lord Jesus Christ. We see here that this lady, uh, uh, she was very much like many of the people that we meet on a regular basis. But Jesus was quick to reveal to this lady that just as she had to keep drawing from the physical well, her spiritual well was dry. He let her know that there was something that she needed. The part of the story, though, that I want to highlight tonight is found starting there in verse number 28. Jesus, of course, talked to this lady. He told her that he was the living water. If she drank from him, she'd never thirst again. After she had accepted the Lord, the Bible says in verse number 28, then the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. If you drop down to verse number 39, it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. I see here that this lady, uh, she was a sinner. Uh, she was a lady who was without Christ. But she came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and as soon as she accepted Christ, she left her water pot, she left her responsibilities, nothing else mattered and she went back to the city to tell someone about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This lady found some gospel feet. I think that whenever you get born again, God will give you gospel feet. He will give you a desire to take the gospel back to your friends, your family and your loved one and tell them of the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts we read of Philip and Philip went to Samaria and he began to preach after the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ and we find out that revival broke out all over the place. You know what I believe that revival might have been just simmering ever since this encounter. And when Philip came in and began to preach, uh, people remembered this lady and her testimony. They remembered those that accepted Christ and all types of people began to get saved because her salvation resulted in gospel feet. The third example that we'll consider this evening is that of Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, we find his story in Acts chapter number 9. Here in Acts 9 we read of Saul, we know the story of Saul, a man we later come to know as the Apostle Paul. And here in Acts chapter number 9, we find the record of his conversion. It's a testimony we've all heard and probably one of the most powerful conversions uh, that we have, have recorded in the Word of God, how that God spoke uh, to Paul uh, and he saw a great light and God uh, said to him, he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Uh, he said, uh, uh, who art thou, Lord? And he said, it is hard for thee to kick against 
watched the pricks and Saul recognized that the Jesus he had been persecuting, the religion he had been trying to shut down, the Christians that he had been killing had indeed been proclaiming the truth. Saul was a religious man, but he was so steeped in the law of the Pharisees that he had failed to recognize the proof of the Messiah. He had failed to recognize that Jesus was the Son of God and he had killed Christians. He had wrought great havoc on the church. He had persecuted the church. He had shut down church services. Uh, This guy was a man who was causing all kinds of problems uh, and God interrupted his life. Boy, I'm telling you what, I thank the Lord that God interrupts the lives of people. You say, why doesn't the Lord interrupt people's lives today like he did Saul's? I believe he still does. And I think some people respond and some reject. I've known of people who God was working in their heart and God was dealing with them and they were not accepting him and they might end up in an automobile accident and find themselves in a hospital bed and somebody lets them know that God is trying to get your attention and some of them put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and some reject him. My dad, he grew up with a godly mother that took him to church. But after dad uh, became a, a, a teenager, he didn't want anything to do with the church, didn't want anything to do with God, and he began to live his life the way that he wanted to. He was rough. He loved to, to drink and carouse and run his hot cars and, and be, uh, fight, and this was the life that he liked to live. This was who he was. And 22 years old, he was laying on his back in a hospital room. Preacher was walking down the hall and stepped in the room gave him the gospel and according to dad's testimony he said I was ripe and ready to put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that God still interrupts the lives of individuals. I believe that he steps in and he interrupts but sadly though I have been with people. I remember a gentleman that my dad and I had been witnessing to and witnessing to I worked with him at the job and we witnessing to this guy. He would tell us I know that I need to be saved. I know that I need to be saved but I just don't want to do it and he was running from God and his house burnt to the ground. Dad and I went there and we're helping him clean up and get everything picked up and cleaned up and we sat down for a break and Dad said, you ready to accept the Lord? Are you ready to recognize that God's trying to get your attention? And He said, I don't want nothing to do with him. And he turned his back and walked away from God. I believe that God still interrupts the lives of people. I believe that Saul could have walked away from this interruption or Saul could have responded to it. But thank the Lord he did respond. Well, I'm telling you what, I know that if he hadn't responded, God could have found somebody else to write all the epistles, but I really like reading Paul, don't you? I'm telling you what, he's a good author, and the Lord used him to write these epistles, and I'm so thankful that the Lord interrupted his life. We see here Saul, a persecutor of the saints, a religious man that felt that the Christian religion was a false religion, a man who zealously sought to end something he thought was wrong. Yet God interrupted his life God said, Saul, I got a job for you. I have something I need you to do. Let's look here in verse number 17 of Acts chapter number 9. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. 
And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Look at verse number 20. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. Here I see Saul of Tarsus, a man who previously was set against the things of God, but now he is proclaiming the things of God straightway. Immediately after his conversion, Paul began to proclaim Christ. Now I understand that Paul was a learned man. Paul was a man who knew the law. Paul knew the Old Testament, but Paul was a brand new convert. Now later on in his life, he wrote the epistles. And boy, I'm telling you what, you can see that he had a tremendous understanding of the things of God but at this point uh, he was a new convert uh, he didn't have all the answers uh, he didn't have everything figured out uh, he wasn't ready to write the book of Romans yet uh, but straightway uh, he began to proclaim that this uh, is the Christ if you've been born again you don't have to know uh, the, all the ends and the outs of the word of God all you have to know uh, is what Jesus did for you uh, and tell the lost uh, that he can do the same for them Paul immediately began to preach that Jesus was the Christ. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you've come from or what you have done. Whenever you come to Christ, your first responsibility is to begin sharing the good news of the gospel with those around you. Whenever I sold automobiles every little bit, they would hire a whole bunch of salesmen. I was hired in one of these type of things, and they'd just throw an ad in the paper. They'd looking for car salesmen. Type people would apply. They'd hire everybody. They'd just hire them right up, hire them right up. And some of them would last a week, some of them would last a month, and little by little they'd fire them and let them go. And maybe they'd keep one or two out of it. Sometimes they'd fire them all. And I'm like, why do you do that? And he said, oh, oh, oh. The reason we do it is because whenever somebody gets a job as a car salesman, any friend or family member they have needing a car is going to buy it off of them. So we just hire a whole bunch of people as car salesmen, and then all their friends and family come to the car lot and buy cars off of them, and then they're not salesmen anyway. We know they wasn't salesmen, so we just fire them and let them go so we don't have to pay them. And we, we get a whole lot of car sales by doing that. But what's the illustration that I'm making here? You are the most effective person to share the gospel with your friends and family. You are the one that can make the greatest impact. Whenever God does a work in your life, you are the one that God can use to spread the gospel to your friends and family. Many, many surveys have been done on church growth and, and which people come to church. And the number one way that churches grow is when individuals witness to their friends and their family members. That's where the growth comes from. That's where the people come from. Is whenever people witness to their friends and their families. God, here, Jesus met with the Gadarene maniac and he said, go home to thy friends. Tell them what God has done for you. He saved the woman at the well and he said, go to the city. 
Tell those men what God has done for you. Saul of Tarsus was well known in the synagogue. He was friends with all those Pharisees. Jesus said, go to the synagogue and preach Jesus. Every one of us are equipped to take the gospel to someone. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter number 19 and verse number 10, for the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking of himself, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. Now, many of the Jews thought that he came to build a kingdom, but that was it's not time for the kingdom yet. He didn't come to build a kingdom. He didn't come to establish himself. No, he came for one reason, and that was to seek and to save that which was lost. And whenever he ascended and went back to glory, he gave to us what we refer to as the Great Commission. What is that Great Commission? To carry on what he started and spread the gospel to all that all may hear. It's why he came, and if we are his, I believe that we ought to be busy evangelizing our friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, and even strangers that we encounter, let's have gospel feet and carry the gospel to each and every one of these people. When I look at all of these examples, I see people who immediately begin taking the gospel to others. The Bible tells us that the people marveled at the Gadarene maniac. Wow, look at this dude. Look what God has done for him. They marveled at the change in his life. Many believed because of the testimony of the Samaritan woman, and Paul amazed people as he went about proclaiming and proving that Jesus was the very Christ. Whenever Jesus was calling his disciples, he called Simon Peter and Andrew, and he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is what Christ said that he would do for them. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come after me, and I will make you someone who goes and gets others. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I believe that when Jesus calls us to follow him, he calls us to go and tell others of the Lord Jesus Christ and his power to save. This evening, my challenge to us this evening is are we using our gospel feet? Are we busy taking the gospel? Are we busy going, sharing telling others of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a track rack back here on the wall. It's very easy to just hand someone a gospel track and say, hey, I'm a believer. Hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, I go to church up here at Marlbrook Baptist. However you want to introduce yourself, I want to give you a gospel track that tells you how you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. Learn to do that. Do it everywhere you go. Do it at the, at the registers. Do it at the drive-thru. Do it everywhere you go. Hey, I want to give you a gospel track. It'll tell you how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. The ones that we, the gospel tracks that we used in our outreach, uh, outreach class, we've got them back there. We've got the full size and the small ones that fit in your pocket. Get you a handful of them. Say, hey, let me give you a gospel track, tell you how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Are we using our gospel feed? Are we looking for opportunities to share the gospel? I believe with all my heart, that if you're born again, you've been called to spread the gospel. The question is, are your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Are you going or are you sharing? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you, dear Lord, that you counted us worthy to entrust us with the responsibility of taking the gospel to a lost and dying world. Lord, I know 
I know that there are people even right now, uh, Lord, who are at the end of their rope. There are people who, uh, Lord, have come to the end of their line. Lord, they, they have given themselves over to sin and wickedness. And Father, they, they've lost hope in life. They've lost hope in themselves. They've lost hope in people. And Lord, even as we are here in this service, Lord, I'm sure there are people, uh, Lord, within 20 miles of here or even closer, uh, Lord, who are at their wit's end. Uh, and Father, Lord, we have the gospel message. Lord, I pray, uh, Father, that we will get busy, uh, Lord, taking the gospel, taking the gospel, and Lord, sharing it, uh, Lord, that others might come to know you as Savior. Lord, help us to remember that it's not us uh, that, that needs to know exactly what we're doing. It's not us that uh, needs to be uh, uh, very good at all this, but Father, Lord, let us know that you work through us. You will speak through us, uh, and Lord, you will take your word, and you will plant the seed in the hearts of these people. And Father, Lord, I pray that you'll just help us to be busy. Lord, how can they come to you unless they know you? How can, how can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach except they've been sent? But, Lord, you've sent us. Now, Lord, I pray that we'll go and take the gospel. Give us gospel feet that will take the gospel all around the world. Thank you for your goodness. Be with us now throughout this week. And, Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.